Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southernness to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And we're glad you are. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Happy to say that there is blue sky and sunshine back in South Mississippi after a hurricane experience over the last 48 hours. But we're glad you're with us and we're glad to kick off another edition of the Eagle Hour. Lee Roberts will be joining us here in just a moment to preview the South Alabama game. I want to remind you about Dickey's Barbecue Pit first and our great uh, friendship with those guys. A great place to call to cater your first homecoming event on the USM campus. A great place to eat dinner. Seven days a week, the food is always fresh and delicious. Heath Hinton scheduled to join us later in the show from Big Gold Nation, Kelly Center as well. But first, Happy to uh, welcome Lee Roberts back to the show, who will be joining us now every Tuesday as we move into football season. And Lee, great to have you back on the Eagle Hour. And uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, it's about time to kick off a, a new era of Southern Miss football. No, it, it really is. And uh, glad to be back on the show as well. You guys do an outstanding job, so appreciate you having me on. But no, you're right, man, kicking off the, the Will Hall era here at Southern Miss and uh, a lot of fans and people are excited. Uh, I stopped out at practice this morning. You know, they call it, you know, competition Tuesday, and those guys were, were getting after it. So a lot, of, a lot of great things going on in regards to Southern Miss football. I'm excited that it's finally game week, though. And what an interesting uh, matchup uh, with a former Southern Miss coach taking over at South Alabama with Coach Hall taking over here. This thing is setting up uh, to be a perfect drama and a great way to kick off the year, Lee. No, it, it really is. And, you know, especially South Alabama coming in last year and, you know, beating us at home. So a little bad taste in our mouth for sure. But obviously new coaching staff here, new coaching staff there at, at South Alabama uh, playing down there in a, you know, a fairly new stadium. I think they opened it last year. So excited about that. But, but yeah, both, both, both coaches wanting to get started in their, you know, head coaching careers at their respective schools with the win and, and Kane Womack, a, a super guy, super coach, very successful um, defensive coach and um, looking looking to get started and we're standing in his way and, and hopefully we can go in there and, and do what we need to to take care of business. But a uh, very important week for both teams. All right, Luke, get in here with uh, Lee and I. Lee, uh, you talked about that competition Tuesday, and of course last week uh, Coach Hall set a few of the starting lineups, and then uh, the game notes released this week. Looks like uh, some of the offensive lines been finalized. We expect to see maybe a possible wrinkle or two, but good news earlier this week on the defensive side of the ball, looks like Hayes Maples will be available for Saturday night. You know, and and Hayes, and and it just attributes his work ethic and what Hayes has been able to do, and you know, the unfortunate knee injury, but in the off season, really working hard, and of course, you know what head uh, athletic trainer Tom McCall says he, you know, was ahead of schedule from from the get go. Hayes has been live. Uh, I saw him this morning. He's in really good spirits, and uh, yeah, looking looking for a big year out of him. I know uh, leading 
tackler on the team last year, but he is one guy for sure that definitely uh, is going to have to play well, both him and Avery Hobbs at that middle linebacker position. But, yeah, super excited that Hayes is going to be healthy. Talk about um, on the offensive side of the ball with Trey Lowe, First year coming in, it, it's his team. It's his. He he took over, you know, late in the season last year. But the whole off season, it was pretty clear out of spring. This is his uh, his offense, his huddle. As a former quarterback, what are the, the 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 ease of that going in, and what will be the challenges for him in his first year as a starting quarterback? You know, with them naming Trey Lowe the starter early in the spring, I, I felt like was a huge plus that that put the 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 pressure on him, not the pressure on him, but obviously the, the weight that he knows he's going to be the guy uh, going into fall camp and to lead this team in, in game one. And, you know, and, and you see those guys out there. And, of course, Ty Keys, T. Webb, Jack Walker, all those guys are improving each and every day. But Trey Lowe is the definite starter here at Southern Miss and um, do, doing some superb things. And, and as, a, as a former quarterback, knowing that, hey, I'm that starter going in, my guys are looking to me, uh, being that leader on and off the field. It, it's a big deal. I can remember when we had an offensive coordinator change at Southern Miss, and uh, Coach Larry Keck comes in and you know says, "Hey guys, we got 11 positions on offense. Ten of them are open." You know, and that said a lot because he was pointing at me, saying, "Hey, you're the only returner that is named starter so far." And uh, that's that's kind of the way Trey Lowe is going to be. He really finished strong. Last year, uh, playing against FAU, and a lot of big things are expected out of him this year. One, one more question about the backfield. Of course, uh, we expect uh, Frank Gore Jr. to get the, the bulk of the work, but is he going to be a three-down back? What do you think the rotation of the backfield is going to look like? You know, they, they're they working Frank Gore, obviously. Darius Mayberry has had a really good camp. Um, Dejan Richard is, is doing some great things and, and don't forget about the fullbacks. The fullbacks are going to be a, a big part of this offense as well. You know, Cole Cavallo is going to get a, a, the bulk of the work there. I think driver, uh, playing there too. So th- this is a team that's going to see some one back with, with Frank and Mayberry in the backfield and some two back as well. So I know this is something that Will Hall wants to do to establish the run as good as Trey Lost on the football. I think Frank Gore and Mayberry going to have to establish the run. And, and, and that's definitely one thing that the offense line has been able to do is uh, really open up some holes, put some uh, pressure on the defensive front. And, and I feel like they've had a good, uh, good fall camp as well. So looking for some great things out of the running game. Uh, Coach uh, Womack, of course, had a really good nationally ranked defensive team up at Indiana, Lee. And so what will the Golden Eagles have to do to attack his style of defensive play? You know, one thing I think in game one, I mean, you got to make some mistakes. Is so really to focus to try to eliminate those mistakes. You know, protect the football, whether it's um, Trey Lowe not forcing a ball or it's Frank Gore not putting the ball on the turf. I think it's it's those guys really taking care of the football that's going to be one of the positives because because Kane Womack is gonna he's gonna bring it. He and his defensive coordinator Corey Batune are gonna have a are gonna have a plan and they're gonna come at Southern Miss knowing that. Um, you know, this is a team that has a chance to do some really good things, and they're going to really put a lot of pressure on them. So if Southern Miss can eliminate the negative plays, I think they'll be successful. Well, you've been in the shoes of all the players, of course, uh, with your great career at Southern Miss. They've, you know, they've been through spring ball. Now they've been through the fall camp. And here they are two or three days away from really getting to start things out. What, what's going on in the minds right now of the kids on the football team, Lee? 
Well, I'll say this. I mean, they are ready to face somebody that's not wearing black and gold. And, um, you know, just getting to game week knows that things are, are different. Um, you know, you, you go all spring fighting against your own team. The off season is a brutal grind. And then you start fall camp, and, and it's a long, drawn-out process where they're going early and staying late. You know, finally school starts. It's able to cut down some of the, uh, the time you know, with, with the players. But game week is where it's at. I mean, just doing the things that they need to off the field to have themselves ready to play on the field. And, hey, when you get on that bus on Friday, you'd be ready to go. And, uh, you know, it's all about business from that point forward. Is it hard to contain your excitement? Is it hard to keep an even keel as you get closer to opening night? You know, I think you've got to have some excitement. But in, in the flip side, I think you've, you've got to be even keel as well. I mean, you can't let your excitement overtake, you know, the things that you can do or that you need to do. And, you know, but football is an exciting game, and guys get pumped, and everybody prepares differently. I'm not a rah-rah guy, but uh, there there are some folks that, that play behind center that are. And, uh, you know, whether you're a defense lineman or a defensive back or an offensive lineman, somebody has got to try to get a team pumped up. And uh, I think this team does have those guys. And, and obviously this team's going to look to the some of the veterans, the guys that have been around a little bit, um, and even those guys, they're looking for success. So, um, you know, yeah, I think I think you've got to have a little bit of a little bit of pep in your step all week. And a great setting it's going to be. You guys down there, ESPN broadcasting the game on one of their streaming services. We understand it's if it's not a sellout, it's going to be very close to a sellout. And all of this after a year, Lee, where we really couldn't enjoy football like we were used to. So, what a what a great night to look forward to. Yeah, and somebody told me this morning the weather's supposed to be fabulous as well. So uh, that that's even a plus. And you know, I know uh, the weather today has has been super. And I was out of practice this morning. You you never thought it was August. So that's that's just a plus for sure. But yeah, all, all the things that are going on, um, guys are excited. And you know, whether it's Southern Miss or South Alabama, new coaches, uh, just a lot of great things going on. But you're right, just the way things were last year, limited capacity. Uh, if it's not a sellout crowd, you're right. It'll be a huge crowd. I think there'll be a good showing from Southern Miss fans as well. And uh, I think we just need to take care of business, go down to South Alabama, and uh, try to come away with a win. Well, we can't wait, and we're glad you're back on the Eagle Hour. We'll look forward to talking to you next Tuesday and get your analysis of uh, of what we're all waiting for, Lee. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. So appreciate you guys. Have a great week, and uh, go Eagles. All right. Lee Roberts, everybody. Color analyst for the Golden Eagle Radio Network, great college quarterback himself. He'll be joining us each and every Tuesday at 1 o'clock at football season is finally here. All right, Eagle Hour continues. Don't go anywhere. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank Lee Roberts for joining us uh, in the opening segment. Again, he'll be with us every Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Now the football season here. Great college quarterback in his own right and a championship quarterback for the Golden Eagles. So his insight uh, is welcome on the Eagle Hour. 
This segment is sponsored by our good friends at Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. I missed it a couple of weeks ago when when the guys had uh, Miss Kathleen on the show. I'm sure it was a great interview. She's a great lady. Uh, if you want to get you some new swag for the upcoming football season, there's really no other place to go. They're located across the street from the Southern Miss campus on Hardy Street. You can also shop them online at campusbookmart.net. Patrick McGee, now of the New Orleans Time Picayune, uh, returns to the Eagle Hour tomorrow. Going to be our unofficial official New Orleans Saints correspondent now that he's living down in the Big Easy. And speaking of the NFL and Southern Miss, Kelly Sander joins us. And Kelly and Luke have a lot of news involving Golden Eagle players in the big league. Uh, how you doing, Kelly? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I appreciate uh, everybody, you know, checking in with each other this weekend, making sure everybody was as safe as, as possible. And uh, now we're definitely on countdown to the opener this Saturday. I know Luke is going to go over uh, some some Southern Miss players and what their status is with the National Football League. Today is the last day for NFL teams to cut their rosters down to 53, which will be the number that they will have to carry going into week one. Now, this is not week one of the season. The official NFL season begins a week from Thursday night. But nonetheless, today is the deadline. Nick Mullins was cut over the weekend by the Philadelphia Eagles when the Eagles traded for Gardner Minshew out of Brandon, Mississippi. Of course, he comes from Jacksonville to Philadelphia, but that uh, meant that Nick Mullins was dispatched. But getting word this, this afternoon that the Cleveland Browns are going to sign Nick Mullins, to their practice squad once the 53-man roster has been announced. Other notable cuts over the weekend, uh, Picasso Nelson trying to get some legs with the uh, Cardinals in Arizona, had a good preseason but not quite good enough as Picasso Nelson was released. And Ito Smith for the second time in the fall has been cut this time by the Minnesota Vikings. Other things regarding the NFL before we get to the rest of where the Southern Miss players are, the New Orleans Saints at a press conference this morning announced without electricity uh, for the next four to six weeks in New Orleans, it's estimated that they are prepared to, to be away from the Dome for the first fourth of the NFL season. That means, obviously, the opener with the Green Bay Packers will not be played in New Orleans. And Michael Thomas, their star receiver, is going to miss at least six games to begin the season. That's what they are saying now. If they put him on the physically unable to perform list, also known as the pup list, he will miss the first six weeks of the season. Not good for you fantasy football owners that, uh, that drafted him. But some good news regarding the Saints situation uh, with the Hurricane Ida being so destructive again in New Orleans. And again, the Saints expected to miss the first fourth of the season away from New Orleans. The Atlanta Falcons... Of all teams, the Atlanta Falcons have pledged $1 million to the city of New Orleans today for Hurricane Ida relief. Of all teams in the NFL, their most bitter rival, the Falcons, have stepped up and said, put us down for a $1 million. There we go. Luke, you've got some other Southern Miss players that are going to be playing in the big league. Yeah, so uh, when you look at Southern Miss, uh, about 14 different players. I may have missed one. Apologize for that. But the, here, here are your actives right now. So these are guys that are not cut. 
um, that are actively on a roster. Of course, Jamie Collins will be starting at linebacker for the Detroit Lions. DeMichael Harris, uh, a backup receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. Rakeem Nunez-Rochez will be starting or in that first rotation for the uh, defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the defensive line. Jalen Richard has a foot injury, uh, but he's he's on the active roster for the Raiders. Uh, John Gruden said, uh, I think a couple days ago, he's going to be out just a little longer. Mike Thomas, a backup receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Cameron Tom looks like he has, uh, hasn't been cut yet, and he's, uh, he's a backup center for the Miami. Miami Dolphins, and then uh, I, I think I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned Mike Thomas, but a guy that nobody thinks about, Rashad Hill, is the starting left tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, and then as of right now, y'all, looks like Quez Watkins has earned a starting spot at receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, according to uh, the depth chart, official depth chart online, he's like that. Um, so, uh, Kelly mentioned Ito being cut, uh, he also mentioned uh, Picasso Nelson being cut, a couple other guys. Cornell Armstrong cut by the Houston uh, Texans. Tavares Moore tore his Achilles, so he's out indefinitely for uh, for San Francisco. And I think uh, that that would be it. Yeah, Nick Mullins is supposed to sign with with Cleveland this afternoon. So uh, right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Golden Eagles on active rosters. Three of those. Uh, should be starting Quez Watkins uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, Rashad Hill for the Vikings, and Jamie Collins for the Detroit Lions. I just can't get over Edo Smith, guys. It just it's it amazes me because I followed him pretty closely in Atlanta, and it seemed to me, Kelly, he was a productive running back. I agree, and 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 again, you don't know the inner workings of these football teams, but he he played well in the opportunities that he had in the preseason, including with the Vikings, but. Um, you know, the Vikings only really had him for a week, so you don't really know how much, you know, how much can you really prove, you know, in one week, and, and he was released, you know, the week before that. So I, I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. There must be something that, that we're not seeing, obviously, that, that other teams are. But, you know, lots of times it's, it, and I've, I've seen this with college recruiting, too. There might be a guy that nobody wants, and all of a sudden somebody will offer the kid, and then all of a sudden, once he gets offered or she gets offered, there's like five or six other schools that jump on board immediately, you know, that had opportunities to get them earlier. Um, but once somebody shows interest in them, it's like, it's like everybody shows interest in them. And I think conversely, unfortunately, it can be the same. Once a couple of teams are cooled on you, then other teams cool on you as well. So that m- might be uh, the situation with Ito. The only thing that surprises me about what Luke said, not that Quez Watkins made the Philadelphia Eagles, because we've always known that he was the difference maker down here, but the fact that it looks like he's going to be one of the guys in, in Philadelphia as a rookie. Now, make no mistake, the Eagles are not projected to win the Super Bowl by any means, but still, to make a roster at that level and, and to maybe be one of the guys as a rookie and a lesser-known rookie, that says a lot for not only what he's done at camp, but for his skill set, I think. Right. Not USM-related, but the biggest news of the day in the NFL is the Patriots have cut Cam Newton, Luke. Yeah, Mac Jones, they're going to roll with him. Uh, apparently, the uh, they think he could be you know um, Tom Brady-esque, Tom Brady-like. Cam Newton, um, you know, I guess I get that. If you're, if he's not going to be your starter, you just have to uh, to cut, you know, cut the the rope and and let him go. But pretty interesting. I think they're rolling with Brian Hoyer 
as as the backup. So uh, it would be interesting. There's going to be some growing pains in New England, but you know Matt, Matt Jones looks like as of right now, Bill Belichick believes uh, there's more to him than just what he did at Alabama. I don't know about the growing pains too, Luke. Um, you know, I mean, it is Belichick and it is the Patriots, and Las Vegas, I think, has the over-under win total for the Patriots at nine and a half. So, you know, that would, that would tell me that, that although they are making some personnel changes, most other teams, you know, think pretty highly of the Patriots. Look, it wouldn't make me any happier to see the Patriots have a couple of down years. You know, but, Kelly, about- here's my question. Is this a really important year for Belichick to prove that he's the genius behind the Patriots' success and not Brady? Or has Belichick won so much and so well established that he doesn't really care what anyone thinks? I don't even think from day one, Bob, he really cared what anybody thinks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why they call him the emperor up there, like from Star Wars. You know? He's a bad boy. So you don't he just, think he's sweating this out, huh? <laughs> no, and he's and he has said as much in in his last couple of years that that his career is almost over as a coach, regardless of the success of the Patriots. I mean, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Coach Belichick's in his mid seventies. He may I not think look that at might be right. Yeah, yeah, might not look like it, but I think he's in his mid seventies. And I mean, um, you know, I think he's he's pretty much said that. Next couple of years is going to be it, regardless. But it certainly is a, it certainly is a good argument as to whether it was Belichick or was it Brady. Right now, you'd have to say it was Brady because of what he did with Tampa Bay last year. Yeah, but uh, but, I, but, but but I think if Belichick were to be without a job, somebody would hire him if he wanted to work. Yeah, you think? Uh, <laughs> it's safe to say too that he's going to go down, if not the best coach ever, certainly one of the two or three best coaches to ever coach in the league. Oh, for sure, uh, and and I'm glad. I was glad to hear you say in the league because if you said of all time, you certainly have to include Ellis Johnson in there. <laughs> yeah, well, needless to say, yes. You know, <laughs> y- y- y'all calling this man old. This man's only 69 years old. Okay, that's all oh, he well, is. He's not that old. And people him. forget that he actually won two Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator. So the man has eight rings total. Golly. Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not worried about what they think of him on the Eagle Hour, safe to say. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think our opinion is going to matter whether he gets a raise or not. That's and you know, sure. you, know who gave him, you know who gave him his shot? No, yeah, yeah uh, Ray Perkins. Ray Perkins. Right, no Ray question. Perkins. All right, more to come. Stay with us. The Eagle Hour rolls along. Southern Miss to the top. Third segment on this Tuesday brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg today. Jeopardy on today. 
Never know who's going to host that, you know. But anyway, Jeopardy at 4th Street Bar and Grill. College football all weekend long, even a Thursday night game. Lots of stuff going on. I think there's even a Wednesday night game this week. I think UAB is is playing. Get that for you in just a moment. But, yeah, you can see it all at, at 4th Street Bar and Grill. They always got something on the TV. Of course, the 895 Blue Plate Lunch. Every single day. Yeah, UAB playing Jacksonville State tomorrow in the Montgomery kickoff at 6.30. It will be on ESPN. But anyway, all that at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander joining us on the phone. Bob and I in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and uh, beautiful downtown Laurel. And and Kelly, big news today for Jay Ladner. The official 2021-2022 basketball schedule released for the men. Yeah, and when you look at it, when you look at it, Luke, not not a bad schedule as far as uh, as far as caliber of teams. You know, based on how they played last year, they've got uh, besides conference home games. Of course, they've got home games scheduled against Louisiana Lafayette out of the Sun Belt. They've got Lamar uh, out of the WAC, which Lamar used to be uh, in the Southland Conference, and then they're they're on the road. You know, at South Al, which that's a traditional game, but they'll also play TCU. Uh, Texas Christian in Fort Worth, and then play East Carolina, which is an old Metro Conference rival, uh, and that's that's even before they they begin conference play. So all in all, and the exhibition with Delta State will take place. They'll play William Carey, so he's got some Mississippi flavor in there as well. But but I think uh, as we break down the schedule, we we talk about Lamar being in the Southland, and I don't want to get off track, but I certainly want to uh, send prayers to everybody at Nichols State in Thibodeau. Nichols is in the Southland, and the storm has has really wreaked havoc on that campus. In fact, the university and all classes at Nichols State have been canceled until further notice. Hmm. So we hope that um, wow. we hope that things will get better soon down in Thibodeau. But yeah, we'll, let's break down that schedule. Luke. Yeah, you look at it. Starts on November fourth, which is a, a Thursday three. Home games uh, to start the season, Delta State, William Carey, and then the Raging Cajuns. What I like about it is first four out of five games uh, at Reed Green, uh, the fourth game in that five-game schedule is at TCU. And then you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight non-conference games before you start December 30th with conference. So it breaks down like this, 14 non-conference games, 18 conference games, 15 at home, 17 on the road. You look at, uh, let's just talk about that really first, Kelly, as we go from really November the 4th until uh, December 21st, East Carolina, the last uh, the last non-conference game. A good amount. They'll be on the road after four out of the first five. They'll, they'll go to uh, Montana for a few games. Um, play ULM, Southern Illinois. So, uh, you know, you, you start off at home, but then you got a little road stretch, but then you get ready for, uh, for non conference, uh, or for conference play. And there's some challenges in there. Jacksonville returns back. We played down there to start the season last year. Kelly, a uh, plus or minus to be at home to begin with, and then before you take a road trip? I think, uh, I think it's actually better to, to play on the road. Um, to kind of get your legs under you at first, um, but I don't think there's any. I don't think there's. You know, it's a it's a big difference one way or the other. I like the fact that the schedule is relatively even as far as home games and road games. We've all known in the past in football that because of finances, you know, the Eagles have had to play a majority of their games on the road. But this basketball uh, schedule is is pretty equal. 
when you look at home and homes, you know, you've got home and homes with everybody in the Western Division, including UAB. Um, you know, they're going to be they're going to be tough as always. You got home and homes with UTEP and the other UTSA, the other teams you know in the West. And then they've got to play Western. <clears throat> they do get Western Kentucky in Hattiesburg from <clears throat> from the other side. So if you have to play Western Kentucky, you certainly want to play them at home. So I think all in all, I think the, the competitiveness of the schedule uh, is better. But but I also think, and and Coach Ladner and and his assistants, whom I talk with quite a bit, they they know that this is the year that fans want to see some marked improvement. You know, I mean, even even though it is Jay Ladner and he's a homegrown guy and you know, went to Oak Grove and all the local stories, this will be the third year, and. You got to. fans or not, they want to see some improvement starting this year. So it's a big season coming up. Bob, you will be relieved to know that the entire schedule is filled out. There is no bonus play anywhere. There's no TBA. It's all filled out from November to early March. Well, I think that helps sell tickets, don't you guys? I mean, if you don't really know who they're playing the last half of the year or the last quarter of the year, you don't even know where they're playing I would think that complicated the the process of selling season tickets, and I think that's about as important as winning is to, is to get some support in the in the Coliseum, Luke. Because uh, I think the more support, the better the team will respond. And uh, so, if people want to see Jay Ladner get this program turned around, they need to step up and buy tickets and be there when they start playing in November. And there's been some movement towards that, and Kelly, you can talk about this. I mean, people have wanted to buy in. I mean, just but you felt like you know, with some of the roster issues and other stuff last year, they regressed a little bit. And you know, we were really excited about this this roster last year and and who they returned. They just really never gelled. Tay Hardy didn't work out as a one; had to move him over to a two. And so, as you said, I mean, I feel like not not with the multitudes, but there has been the attempt at least to buy in. And you know, you you make a trip on a weeknight, you go. Down there, and then you know they they would drop a game, and fans would get disappointed. So, to your point, you know the the earlier that starts this season, but man, it's going to be tough starting off with Western Kentucky, you know, with, with that. And so, um, you got to hope that this non conference schedule goes better um, than normal. At least we're not down in Atlantis playing like the top five in the first five games. And here's what you were talking about, Luke, with the schedule being completely filled out and no pod play or any of that thing. What we've learned in Hattiesburg over the past 35 or 40 years, for however long I've been following Southern Miss, is if you don't have a date and a time set out there, people in Hattiesburg are going to Destin. (laughs) 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 It doesn't matter if it's January 10th and it's 10 Uh. degrees in Destin. They're going to Destin. They're going to rent the condo and they're going to go to Gulf Shores or Destin. So... They don't have that excuse of, well, we didn't know that y'all were playing. <laughs> well, you do now. You've got, so you can block out all those Saturdays and forget renting the condo until June or July. They're going to go to Destin. If they don't know when you're playing, they're going to go to Destin. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the truth. And I know there are several people riding in their cars right now that listen oh. to the show that are nodding their head up and down. Yep, he's right. He's right. <laughs> Well, we all want Jay Ladner to succeed. He's a fantastic guy, and he loves Southern Miss. And so I just want to encourage people to support the basketball team. And uh, 
give them something to get excited about like it used to be at, at the Reed Green Coliseum. It's hard to describe to the people that weren't around then how totally and completely electric basketball was in this town. There were scalpers, Bob. Scalpers. Right. Outside walking the grounds at Reed Green Coliseum selling tickets for above face value. Right. Back, back when you could do that, when Louisville and Memphis would come to town, yeah. you could not get a ticket. No. There were people tailgating before basketball games. Camping out sometimes. The kids of the students would camp out around, they, the, around the Coliseum to, to be the first to get in the next night. And if they couldn't get a ticket, they'd go to Destin. Yes, that's right. And I, I heard rumors back in those days that when those students were camping out around the Coliseum, there were some adult beverages involved. Well, any any further comment would have to come from the president. I'm, I'm not a <laughs> or the head of the Dixie Darlings, no. right? <laughs> but but I remember too, though. I mean, you know, you you look at the the was it the first Tyndall NIT run when we uh, when we played Charleston Southern, Louisiana Tech, and BYU back to back games in Hattiesburg. It was crunk there. I mean, that, that was yeah. that was big. And then when the girls actually when the when the ladies hosted some NIT games, I mean, that was that was huge also. So yeah, Southern Miss fans have have shown to be when there's winning there, they'll they'll show up and they'll they'll show up in big numbers. And when you're not and winning, if, they go to Destin, right, Kelly? Well, yeah. I mean, you give you give people in Hattiesburg any reason to go to Destin <laughs> and and then, or or to play football in New Orleans. They're the only crowd that would want Southern Miss football to play Tulane. In New Orleans. Every, every year. year, right. They didn't want Tulane coming here. They just wanted to play down there every year. I, I never understood that. Uh, yeah, well, I understand why. But uh, <laughs> how much time we got before a break? 30 seconds. All right, real quick. The women's cross-country preseason poll is out in Conference USA. Middle Tennessee is projected to finish first. Charlotte picked to finish second. This according to the media and uh, voters, of course. Rice third, and the USM Lady Eagles, the Southern Miss Lady Eagles, projected to finish fourth in cross-country this year out of all the Conference USA teams. A good, good you know, start. Fourth in the poll. I don't, I don't believe any. The, the more that I hear these media polls as we go to break, they're just people like us. They right. don't know anything. That's exactly right. They're just going off whim. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't – any media poll out there, forget it, because it's just somebody like Bob, Luke, and Kelly – that uh, can I confess these on air, these off air secrets that we looked something up 10 seconds ago and formed an opinion about it? Forget the media poll. Right. And the guys that eat free in the press box before every game. And other than that, that's about Us. the extent of their expertise. <laughs> we'll be back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. They helped me run a 5-240. They can help you, too. Located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Big Labor Day camp coming up next Monday. Still got an opportunity to sign up. DBATHattiesburg.com. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in downtown Laurel and Hattiesburg. Kelly Sander continues with us 
on the phone. Guys, um, so there was apparently last night a documentary on the 2005-2006 Texas National Championship team. Uh, and of course, or actually, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the 2005 team. And of course, the reason that team won the Rose Bowl and then won the national championship the next year is because the, uh, the Golden Eagles in December of 2004, we almost pulled off the upset against Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch and JJ Arrington in MM Roberts Stadium. Now, why am I bringing this up on air? Because I, I had a traumatizing flashback. Not sure I could go to sleep last night, Bob. At the end of that game, we were set to tie the ball game. I remember. They blocked the PAT. I remember. I took off down the field, probably running a 4-5-40 at that point. Mm. Uh, never again in my life, but at that moment. Unable to chase down the defender, he went in for two points. They attacked on another touchdown, and, and we got beat by 10. But we prevented Aaron Rodgers from going to the uh, to the Rose Bowl. He went to the Holiday Bowl instead. Anyway, on my Twitter feed, I, I retweeted that. Uh, comment about the 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 uh, that commentary and just again once again apologized to Golden Eagle Nation for not being able to track down that guy. So I'll just offer another on air apology to everyone in, in our listening. Uh, at what point on the field did you realize this is futile? It, for the first sixty to sixty five yards. It was like what is happening to me right now because I was I was literally like. I was literally just behind him. Like I could have probably reached out and scr- and you know touched his jersey, but you think you know before you leap, you you don't want to just jump in the air. So I probably waited past the moment of jumping, and probably around the other twenty yard line, there was this voice that rose up within my soul that just said, "You're done," and I just had to slow down because I was I was literally about to fall out. That's when well, he turned around and kind of watched you as he ran into the end zone, as if I remember that correctly. Am I yeah, right? Yeah, because, because that guy had a voice in his head, too, saying, you better not get tracked down by a punter. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was so hear, awesome, though. It was it. so awesome because hey. everybody next week were like, bro, we didn't know you could run that fast. And I said, I didn't know I could run that fast either. <laughs> and that was, on, that was on your Twitter feed. And speaking of Twitter feeds, I don't know if you guys have seen what South Al has been putting out this week, calling the Golden Eagles, Eagles the Yellow Birds. Yeah, I've heard the worse. The Yellow Birds. Yeah, I've heard the Yellow Buzzards before. I've heard it all. And, and Honey birds, mustard buzzards. Mm-hmm. Eagles are, are much, they're the most regal bird out there. And for them to call Southern Miss the Yellow Birds. But the other thing I'm kind of. Let me just tell you, you know, something. Kelly, I don't know if you've seen these these YouTube videos, but there's actually one of a golden eagle carrying off a fox, like through the air. And there's actually yeah. there's these Mongolian wolf hunters that will have golden eagles perched on their shoulder and their arms, and they will send golden eagles to go fight wolves. So what is a jaguar uh, if our mascot can pick you up and carry you off through the air? Uh, and Kelly, I'm old enough to remember when we played the Mongolian uh, war hunters, and uh, it was a hell of a game. We lost right in the end, if I recall. Well, and they had to change they had to change their mascot because Mongolian war hunters got upset that uh, <laughs> they were being. They had a running game, though. I remember that. They sure did. And and one of the things, you know, Kane, Kane Womack, of course, the new head coach at South Alabama, graduated from Oak Grove High School, right down here by our studio. And I coached him in, in Dizzy Dean baseball when he was 10, 11, and 12 years old. And so, I, I mean, I really, really wish Kane would, 
all the luck in the world. I hope they win every game they play except this one. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and he's, he's married to an, an Oak Grove girl. Uh, like I said, his dad, Dave Womack, was, was a defensive coordinator for Coach Bauer. So there's a lot of, a lot of Southern Miss ties with, with Kane Womack and the South Alabama program. And I think all of these side stories are the reason that, that tickets are really – I heard a report yesterday that over 5,000 tickets have been purchased by Southern Miss fans. Yeah. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad do you think he wants to win this game? A 12 oh or gosh. 13? Yeah, I'd, I'd say. I mean, yeah. for, the, for the same reasons. You know, but but Kane Womack understands. He understands if nobody else in Mobile understands the rich tradition that is Southern Miss football. Right. Well, we'll find out about the Jaguars tomorrow. J.D. Byers, who was scheduled to be on the show Monday, he got stormed out. Of course, he's going to join us tomorrow. And Luke is looking forward to this, Kelly. Patrick McGee returns. Uh, he's now living in New Orleans on Magazine Street. He has a. Uh, up close and personal ability to report on uh, Luke's beloved New Orleans Saints. So he comes, uh, he comes back to the Eagle Hour tomorrow as well. Well, yeah, I just, I really, really, my thoughts are to the people in New Orleans and Thibodeau who have been so bad, and, and all the areas down there in Louisiana. Uh, all, all our neighbors and friends in Louisiana—they're yeah. tough, tough people. Yeah. Oh, boy, they have taken it uh, from hurricanes here in the last two or three years. And I join you, Kelly. We. We hope of nothing but the best. All right, Eagle Hour back on the air tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.